Hello, I'm Simon Farrell-Green, and I'm the editor of Here magazine, and we're delighted to be bringing you this series of wonderful New Zealand houses, along with our friends at Alfirm Window Systems. Over the next year, we'll be talking with top New Zealand architects about a recent design, learning how it came to be, and why the people who live in it love it so much. We'll have beautiful videos, lovely photographs, and some great yarns. But we're also going to feature a podcast with each project where I get to chat with the architect and hear the story behind the design. It's a chance for us to sit down at length and hear the full story. From the city to the country, from large and luxurious to small and clever, I hope you'll follow along with us as we explore these wonderful New Zealand houses. It's a rare client that surprises an architect with something truly novel, and yet that's exactly what happened on a site at Mount Monganui, a short walk from the beach. The client had owned the site for a while. It had an old batch on it that she loved, but with a permanent move on the cards, she realised it wasn't fit for purpose. Her brief was about building a permanent home at the beach. It was to be colourful and fun, with room for visiting family and a space to retreat. Oh, she said, and I'd like a slide. To tell us more about both the slide and the house, we're sitting at the offices of Mercer and Mercer Architects in Auckland, and we're joined by Adam Mercer now. Hi, Adam. Hey, Simon. How are you going? Good. Thanks for joining us. You want to go down the slide yet? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you say when she said I'd like a slide? Well, funnily enough, she didn't actually mention the slide until she sort of halfway down the stairs from our office, which is kind of funny. Right. Uh, did the usual, uh, what's your brief? And amazing how clients struggle to describe the stuff apart from three bedrooms and a double garage, you know. So we got through that and there's a bit of talk about budget and how she loved the site and she wanted it to be playful. Oh, she said, I finally forgot. Forgot one thing and a slide. It really was kind of the pregnant pause that, that defined the job, you know. I presume you hadn't put a slide into a house before? Not a common request, I've got to say. <laughs> Uh, and so we dipped into that a bit more and uh, the assumption of course was that she'd travel from upstairs to downstairs within the house but the more we looked at the site the more we thought about Mount Maunganui as a fun place to go we kind of thought maybe the house could be an expression of that fun from the outside so to jump into the slide head out through the wall and then sort of miraculously pop back in again and have it expressed on the outside was a kind of a a nice idea which she just loved and she hung on for grim death through everything that is construction to get that done beautifully. It is beautiful. It's beautifully made. Because, I mean, they're not all pretty, are they? I mean, there are some fairly ugly iterations of slides. So, yes. How quickly did the idea of it being this kind of shiny stainless steel object come together? Yeah, well, we, funny enough, we'd finished the house for some clients in Katikati and his... Mm, brother-in-law or cousin is a, makes slides in New Plymouth. So we rang him and said, gee, what are the options on slides? You know, and we told him what it was, sent a drawing, and he said, it's got to be stainless. Right. And he was able to, I think they'd done a slide or two in stainless down in, in Dunedin Art Gallery or Library or a few jobs like that. And he was able to answer all those sort of the naysayer questions like, if it's stainless steel, is it going to get too hot in the sun? Um, is it going to rust, all those sort of things. But he said, look, if people ask for clear perspex or glass or whatever, they don't. They just yellow off 
they never look as good in time. He said, stainless is the one. We've got the workshop. We've got the engineers. We know what we're doing. Just step aside. And they were fantastic. Amazing. How did you, what do you describe it as on, you know, a consent plan? On, like, how, do you, how does that actually go through? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole site needed a resource consent anyway because it was a floodplain. Basically, it was the puddle in the whole suburb where all the water ends up when the drains don't cope, uh, which is regularly. And her house, her existing house, had flooded before. Um, so resource consent was in, in the game, and we just showed this sort of very fine dotted line around the outside of the house, which project, projected into the front yard, which you know, you're not allowed to do. And everything else about the flood was sort of taking prime stage, and that was going swimmingly, you know. And we all sort of stood up to leave to say, yeah, that's all ready to go, stamp it and approve it. And he said, oh, what, what's that dotted line? You know? <laughs> oh, um, that's a slide. <laughs> Which he was just like, you're kidding, are you? You know, No, it's kind of like an eave. He said, oh, uh, well, we can't have eaves projecting into the front yard, as you know. I said, well, it's not an eave. You know, so this argument, sort of discussion with a smile on everybody's face uh, um, ensued. And at the end of it, he I could see he was kind of wanting to, to say, look, it's not a problem. Uh, and I said, look, do you really want to be the guy that sort of denies someone building a slide in their house? I mean, come on, you know, it's, it's fun. He goes, yeah, bugger it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never heard a planner say those words before. That's <laughs> great. Oh, fantastic. I mean, aside from the slide, which is which is lovely, and uh, you know, how what makes the house tick? What it's obviously got other things to it that that are that are pretty accomplished. So, what's the what are the guts of it apart from that? Yeah, um, I don't know. I've said before, it's on a corner site. Um, the the berm of the roadway is hmm, probably five or six meters of of kuku, really nice green grass with lots of big pahuta kawa trees. And it's one street back from the beach. So in summer, actually, it gets a lot of casual parking, uh, a lot of casual sort of pup tents and things happening. And New Year's Eve, it gets totally swamped with every, with camper vans and people pup tenting and the whole thing. And again, one of his lovely stories was, um, you know, the front the berm of the roadside was full one New Year's Eve and she could see a van driving up and down as she walked back with the dog kind of thing and said, oh, look, you know, just drive onto my place and, and you can camp there for a couple of days. So before she knew it, she had sort of four German couples camping on her, on her yard. <laughs> and she's that sort of person, Pip, you know, really friendly. So it was really obvious that she wanted to have an interesting relationship to the street. She liked mm. people. She likes the mount. She likes welcoming. She likes... Um, really interesting things and people being part of your life. So uh, to have a wall that normally you'd sort of screen off the street, make it private, and behind that wall is the private courtyard. And the house bends around the side and does that, but it's also punctured with these tiny little slivers of of, uh, coloured glass, which open and shut, you know, for ventilation and things. So it always has this sort of playful relationship of someone peeping out as people are peeping in, uh, which is kind of very pip, you know. It's cool. Yeah, the um, I mean the coloured glass, the stained glass windows are are, are great. They're, they're they're really lovely colours, and the the sizing of them is is fabulous. That sort of series of slightly random small small windows. Tell us a bit more about that sort of thinking. Yeah, 
Alistair's sitting over there, he's probably listening. He, he's the poor guy who had to do a drawing of randomised size and set out of windows, which, as you know, with a computer or any, for anybody to build, you've got to actually say here, there and everywhere. So uh, there were a few versions of it. Um, and the colours, by the way, were all pip. She worked with uh, with the glass suppliers and, and got this Our sort of... friends at Alfin. Yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the sort of pink and green and, and uh, lots of orange, should you say? Lime green and purple, I think, are the predominant colours, which she was in love with at the time. Uh, and, yeah, it, again, it sort of works at night. Uh, from within, it becomes a sort of a lantern or one of those sort of 70s coloured glass balls that you used to have around. You know, it becomes one of those at night with, a, with the stainless reflections. Uh, and, and in the daytime, it's, it's equally as beguiling, you know. So people are inquisitive, which is the nice thing about walls in a way, is always you're wondering, not only the, enjoying the texture of the wall, but wondering what's on the other side. And of course, the house wraps around, you know, the ubiquitous Kiwi um, outdoor room mm. of a mm. large deck with a, with a pergola over it and all the, all the things that come from that. Um, yeah, it works really well. Yeah. It's got a really lovely relationship with the garden and the deck and all that sort of stuff as well. I think that's the other thing I really like about it is quite often in that situation you get that classic thing where people are trying to get up and look at the, you know, trying to grasp that view, whereas this place is just, no, we're, we're in the garden, we're going to enjoy the trees, enjoy the lawn. And enjoy the neighbours in a way. You know, yeah. it wraps around a courtyard, but it, it has a, quite a strong relationship with the next door neighbour's backyard. And it was quite an impossible mission, as it, as it turned out. But uh, we always succeed. succeeded beautifully. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, had a lovely relationship with the garden. And she's a great gardener, coming from Cambridge originally. Um, and has a great relationship, too, with the, the immediate site next door and their backyard. Uh, and they, they're great friends. Um, it's that sort of Kiwi batch backyard connection, I suppose, if you like, that everybody's out the back being pretty casual and, you know, sharing fruit over the fence, etc. But with regard to the views, I mean, we did try very hard to kind of see if there was a glimpse of the sea because, of course, that's what everybody wants, one street back from the mount. And there is a tiny sliver down a, between two houses. But uh, so we got up on the roof and Pip got up on the roof with me and we sort of looked at that and she leaned over and just about fell off the roof to get that squeak of the sea. And, and then we turned around and there's Mount Monganui at 90 degrees to the view, just sitting there really calmly, but it gives you that strong sense of place. Mm. And so, again, the courtyard wraps around and above the courtyard on the top floor, you just, you just get the profile of, um, of Mount Monganui and the setting sun and it, it, you know you're there, you know you're at the mount. That's lovely. You, she's got a, a sort of a retreat upstairs as well, doesn't she? So she's got this social, engaged, you know, busy, if you like, ground floor, and then she can she can go upstairs and, and get away from that. Yeah, quite right. Um, it's all very well to invite all the grandchildren and all their friends and all the campers and things back from the beach, but when they all come, it can get a bit hectic, and they're all going up and down the slide and things. So, yeah, upstairs was conceived as a, as a retreat for her, if she needed a bit of time out, and uh, she's quite appreciative of that at times, apparently. Yeah, I'm sure. I was going to ask you, have we, have we sort of forgotten how to have a bit of fun with houses and with buildings? Yeah, well, look around Mount Monganui, you know. Um, it's all got quite sort of serious and concrete and timber, and these, I mean, as the values have gone up, the, the houses have got quite sort of almost sort of quite stern in a way, haven't they? Yeah, and where has colour gone? 
you know, for a while there, I think Kiwis used to pride ourselves in, in being, every house was different. And we all could do what we liked in this country, but it just seems to have turned into very sort of silver and grey and black. And, and uh, yeah, for, for again, going to the beach where most of us grew up going to a camping ground where all colours and all variety of clothing and all cars and all types of music were all um, accepted. Now the mountain's got pretty serious and pretty developer. Maybe it's the value of the land or... What? But yeah, way too serious. Come on, yeah. let's go have some fun at the beach. Yeah, I mean, you look at that. You look at that architecture of the seventies. You know, the the Roger Walkers and the, the Athfields and that. It's and it's like you know you get to sort of about sort of nineteen ninety and just just colour and a bit of expression sort of just sort of dies. Yeah. I don't know, maybe architects were exhausted after we get compliance. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what we used to do in sort of two drawings is now 72 drawings and we haven't got any imagination left after that. I don't know. But it's certainly refreshing to work with a client who just said, more colour. No, more colour. Like, no, come on, give me some colour. You know, she was fantastic. That's really good. Aside from all of that, what what were the practicalities of dealing with the floodplain and that sort of, how did you... How did you have to deal with, with that? Yeah, funnily enough, we'd done a couple of houses before in, in quite serious floodplains. And, yeah, you just got to keep everything out of the puddle, basically. Uh, I mean, if you sit a boat in a puddle, the tide rises. The puddle rises, right? So you can't even have part of it sitting there because it'll just swell the puddle up over into someone else's section, which is kind of a no-no. So, mm. essentially, the house is built on piles. Yeah. Um, but then you've got to drive a car into the house, so obviously the garage is exempt from that, but simply put all the materials of the garage floor aren't allowed to be concrete, but they're allowed to be you know, well-treated timber and all the services are up out of the high tide mark, if you like. Fortunately, she hasn't had a flood since she's moved in, which is great news. Normally it's the other way around. About the day after people move in, <laughs> the floodwaters come. And it hasn't been nicknamed Noah's Ark, so that's good. I think the slide's taken care of that. Yeah. Uh, fun aside, it's, it's easy to maybe to reduce this house to, to something that, that seems a bit silly, but actually it's got a lot of consideration going on. So, so what goes where and how does it, how does it work in terms of the, the different spaces and, and functions? Yeah, well, essentially it's a three-generation house. And we talked about Nana's retreat upstairs. And when her children arrive with their grandchildren at various times of day and night, because they come from Auckland and places far away, uh, we sort of had one generation, if you like, arriving at one end of the house. They can pull in with a car, back up, unload, um, come back from the beach, outdoor shower, all that sort of stuff that we like in beach houses. Uh, Then there's the coming together space wrapped around an outdoor deck and a kitchen, long kitchen bench, you know, Everybody loves that kind of gig, right? Long kitchen bench, windows that slide right back. The bench extends outside and you line up all the kids on the other side and fill them full of food and drink until they go to sleep. It's, it's, it's a, <laughs> a well-used, well-liked model. Uh, and then move on down the house, around the courtyard a bit, and it bit, becomes a bit more adult, you know, TVs and um, the slide. And uh, the other essential room around the courtyard was Pip's um, art room or workroom or studio, which is basically just a, three, a room with three-sided bench and lots and lots and lots of storage and shelving for all her collected making art items, you know, fabrics and textiles and, and buttons and colours and paint and brushes and paper and all that stuff that she just likes making is all in one fabulous little studio corner, if you like. Uh, 
sliding doors that punctuate out to the street and connect the Bahudakawas and the light from the Bahudakawas back in through the house is also another quite a nice sort of feature. And that can be screened off with a sliding shutter. So, um, yeah, a sort of a three-sided courtyard house. So you've got lots of sliding doors and windows from, from our firm. Tell us about how they sort of connect indoors and outdoors, because that seems pretty important in a, in a house like this. Yeah, well, uh, the good thing about decking over other types of materials is it's easy to be flush with the interior floor, and so the sort of seamless movement into the outdoor room works pretty well. And, you know, Altham is a good suite for having that, that flush threshold, of course. I think that the delightful challenge that they met was for the little tiny sort of gunshot coloured windows through the slide wall or the street wall. And they, they just changed the suite down a little bit, kept those aluminium profiles really slim, so the aluminium was less and the colour of the glass was more per hole in the wall, if you like. So they did that really successfully. And as, the, as their suite changes from big sliding doors to small coloured windows and other types of doors and window for configurations, their dimensions of the frame move with it, if you like, so you don't just end up with this one generic, big, strong, fat aluminium thing, regardless of the glass size. They were really good to deal with. One of the things I always ask is, how is it different in summer and winter? Because it's obviously a permanent home, so batch, beach, easy, doors, all that sort of stuff. When she's there on her own, it's the middle of winter... How does, how does it change? How mm, does it... Which kind of leads on to energy use and environmental mm. use in, in a way. Um, the northwest facing courtyard is, is by far and away the easiest thing to handle. It's, um, you know, a pergola which screens the afternoon sun, but it's the, uh, it's the direction of the courtyard which you could open the whole house up to and always gain that wind, late winter sun, which everybody likes. And then in some of the sun moves around even further than northwest to sort of, you know, south of west and again you don't get that low hot sun so much in the building so it sort of moderates itself by the way it's oriented uh, the morning sun is filtered already by the uh, Budokawas but even further by the stained glass windows and a few shuttered doors so thermally it works really well summer and winter um, and the high levels of insulation we're forced to put into houses these days you know it works pretty well as long mm. as you can get good ventilation at the beach yeah mm. Mm. and then she can obviously sort of rattle around downstairs it doesn't feel too big because it's not a it's not they're not huge spaces are they it's not you know it's because that's the other thing you often see with these multi-generational houses it's sort of you know bowling tenpin bowling type lengths of, of living space, whereas mm. this is it's still quite intimate and small, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, the site with its huge setbacks on two corners kind of started that. Um, you know, a modest budget continued that on, I think, but also a discussion about what is delightful mm. over what is impressive, you know. And the slide was taking the impressive stuff out of the equation, so we were left with the delightful. So <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> what were you most nervous about with this house? Oh, maybe I'm getting too old to get nervous. I don't know. It was just fun. It's just fun from the start. I mean, it's, it really, you said at the very beginning, you know, it's really refreshing to have a client that kind of wants to engage in the fun. And as an architect, you think, well, I'm no way I'm going to water that down. Let's just go with that the whole way through. So we would just take care of all the kind of, you know, documentation and boring bits and cost control and finding a builder and all that sort of carry on. As long as whenever we met with her, it was about fun. It seemed a good way to work, you know, like it should be for every job. Sounds like a great way to work. Yeah. What are you most proud of on it? I think the, the way it sort of feels to me, 
you know, it's really casual, go to the beach means we're having fun and I think this building is kind of emblematic of that and I think it sets the tone for everybody at Mount Maunganui and beachside everywhere really to just relax a little bit, have a bit of fun with their style of building materials they use and don't be afraid to tell all the naysayers that they can just sit back and enjoy it, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. That is cool, that's great. That was Adam Mercer of Mercer & Mercer Architects telling us about a house with a slide and a great sense of fun in Mount Monganui. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Pleasure, Simon. Thank you. Thanks for joining here and Altham as we explore these great New Zealand houses and chat with the architects who brought them to life. We'll see you next time. <laughs>